Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee and our good friend Kenny. How you guys doing? I'm doing most excellent. What's up with you, Renee? No, no, I'm I'm fantastic. I'm I'm doing good and doing good over here on this side. Kenny, what's up with you? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Miami was fun. I've really enjoyed that, so I'm in a pretty good mood. And also, All Turns No Breaks family. I just turned twenty four today, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kenny. Happy birthday to you. When they finish that off, my voice is not yeah. like a birthday voice. But I can sing the other version. <laughs> we can happy do the other version. Happy birthday hey. to you. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate okay, y'all. Okay, if you're just tuning in to this episode, <laughs> plug up your ears. Now you can unplug them. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> right. Now you know why we talk for a living. Kenny was in Miami for his birthday. He was representing for NASCAR MRN, All Turns No Breaks. Tell us briefly about your little panel. Well, I'm going to say little because he was big time. <laughs> Represented for NASCAR Diversity. Tell us about it. Yeah, so we did a, a National Association of Black Journalism did a panel called Keeping It Real on Twitter, which was about people who are interested in building their careers off Twitter, building their brands off Twitter, and kind of looking at a glance at how careers have changed and how people have built their careers off of Twitter, like myself, for example, and my fellow panelists as well. So Got a chance to really dive in and give people my perspective on how I've used Twitter myself in my career and also just as a personal brand, how to grow myself and just giving people advice on what to do, what not to do on Twitter, how to handle yourself and, you know, how to use it as a networking tool as well. So it was a pretty cool panel. We actually had a full room, which was, which was amazing. As you know, you wouldn't want to. Be in a room where there's only a couple people you're talking to, but having a full on audience was cool. Shout out Deja, shout out Karen, shout out Don, shout out Greg, <laughs> shout out Jasmine for all showing up. Shout out my mentee Deja as well, another Deja. Shout out to them coming out to see me, which was real cool. But you know, a- answering questions for people was really surreal, and as well as all the love I received on Instagram and Twitter from people responding to what I've done, which is real cool because. Um, I'm really happy to have an opportunity like that, and I'm definitely looking forward to doing more of those. So I'm glad I could put on for NASCAR, NASCAR Diversity, MRN, and of course, all turns, no breaks. Yay. Well, yeah. I'm glad you got your first experience as a professional, 24 years old, on a speaking panel. Kudos to Kenny for that. Renee, dare I ask, how was your weekend? <laughs> I get exhausted sometimes just watching your Insta stories. <laughs> you know, I, uh, Tam and uh, Kenny, I, I did a podcast today um, uh, for a, a buddy of mine who's a comedian. And, uh, you know, a lot of these comedians, we all have podcasts and stuff. I think I'm the only one that has a podcast that is not, has anything to do with comedy. 
when I tell people I do a podcast, they go, oh, you do a podcast too? Oh, what's the name of it? I go, Alters No Breaks. They go, oh, that's weird. What is that about? I go, it's NASCAR. They go, oh, yeah, I didn't sound like comedy. And I go, it has nothing to do with comedy. <laughs> and they're going, NASCAR. And they're like, do you watch NASCAR? I'm like, yes. And I go, it gets better. My co-host. We're all from backgrounds that you would not think that are NASCAR fans. He goes, oh, my God. And anyway, so uh, I did this podcast today. My point being is that specific thing that you just said, Tam, came up right off the bat. They were like, Renee, like, okay. They go, I follow you on Instagram. And they said, uh, just you have way too much energy. You have way too much energy at 40-something years old. He goes, what? He goes, dude, I watch your Instagram stories and I get so exhausted. He's like, dude, and this 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 guy's way younger than I am. He's he's not as young as you are, Kenny. But, uh, this cat's he's got to be in his early thirties. He goes, where do you get this energy from? He goes, dude, one minute you're at work, the next minute you're at a club doing doing stand up on stage somewhere, and then the next thing I know, you're at some you're at some huge rave dancing your ass off. And he's like, dude, I, he goes, <laughs> he goes, when do you sleep? I'm like, uh, usually when I'm at a stoplight. But uh, I go, believe it or not, I do find time to to relax and get some rest. And today. I will be honest with you, Tammy and Kenny, and for our listeners out there who follow me on Instagram as well, I literally was on the couch all day today. I think I ran down the street to get me something to eat, and then that was it. I've been on the couch all day. I've been a couch potato. I was a couch potato. Well, I won't say couch. I was a bed potato. (laughs) I was a bed potato on Sunday because on Saturday I had, well, I didn't really have a party, but there is a monthly party that I attend, and I invited some people out. And I had the nerves. And for anybody who listens to this podcast, there's only one partier on this podcast, and that's Renee Garcia. Tam is asleep and in bed by seven. And on Sundays, I usually stay in because it's NASCAR. We're on the West Coast, so the races come on a bit early for us. So it doesn't really make sense. Well, sometimes I do go to the gym, but that's usually if I can get to the gym by 6 a.m., then that way I'm back by 8. So I had a little shindig or I invited some people out and then came home at about 10 o'clock, waited around for an hour and then got myself together and then went back to another spot and got there at 12, which was pretty wild. So Sunday, I was wiped out completely. (laughs) That was my weekend. So I guess we should jump into some NASCAR talk. We were at Michigan. Super Speedway, yeah, man. and Kevin Harvick was your winner. Not that you didn't know, but got to recap it. Top 10, Harvick came in first, Denny Hamlin second, Kyle Larson third, Truex Jr. fourth, Daniel Suarez fifth. Is that right? Daniel Suarez came in fifth. Wow. Kyle Busch sixth, Ryan Priest. Top 10 for the guy, wow. for the young guy. He came in seventh. William Byron came in eighth, Chase Elliott came in ninth, and Alex Bowman came in tenth. So we had a eighth, ninth, tenth finish for Hendrick Motorsports. We know Hendrick Motorsports has four drivers. That other driver didn't do so well. And you guys know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Mr. Seven-Time Jimmy Johnson. Yep. Jimmy can't get right once again this week. (laughs) Like, dude. At this point, he's not going to make the playoffs. He's out of the playoffs if they started today. Yeah, yeah, he's out. He's on the outside looking in. He came in 34th. And Clint Boyer, who's hanging on by a piece of dental floss. 
Although dental floss is kind of strong when you think about it, so maybe that's not a good way to say it. I don't like the term hanging on by a piece of thread because depending on what kind of thread, that can be strong as well. So he's hanging on with a piece of rice. Okay. Is that possible? Oh no, that's got to be some strong Well, yeah, rice. that's a good analogy because a piece of rice is short. <laughs> so not much to hang on to. Get it? Great. Good. Clint Boyer, he came in 37. Jimmy and Clint are our notables for this week, coming in 34th and 37th. And they're notables because, dude, you're hanging on by a piece of rice to get into the playoffs. Yeah. I think uh, I also read, too, that I can't remember if it was an article I was reading or something about Jimmy after the race. It was asking the question, is it panic time? Is it is it time to push the panic button? And I'm sitting there reading this going, I don't know if it's time to push the panic button. But I think that whole team needs to be really serious about trying to do whatever they need to do and whatever it takes to really get into the playoffs because there's not that many races left, you guys. I hate to use that worm is it panic time for uh, Mr. Seven Time, but I think it is panic time for him. Tim, you're right. He just can't get right. And it's time, it's time to get right. He needs to get right. Here's the million dollar question for you and Kenny. Can he get right and get his butt in the playoffs? Mm. I can't imagine Jimmy Johnson not in the playoffs. I cannot see it, but it really looks possible this year. Last year, I remember we kind of were talking about it, but I, I knew it was like, no, no, this this guy's going to get in uh, at least on point. There's just no way he's not, not going to not make the playoffs. But this year, I don't know, Kenny. I'm thinking he might miss the playoffs. Too. Seriously. Yeah, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I think that right now, it just... Obviously, hasn't been his time, nor has been his year. I know recently we had him win a stage race, win the stage in one race. I think it was at Pocono where he won the stage, which was quite shocking. But it's weird to say that for a seven-time champion, but it just really hasn't been that great of a year for him with only three top fives and in eight top tens. As solid as that sounds, it just hasn't been enough for him. And he's also had two DNFs, which doesn't help either. But right now, he is... On, he's on the cusp of not making the playoffs and just a correction, zero DNS, but still not enough to get himself into the playoffs right now because Ryan Newman, again, had a great points day for him and he's quietly moved himself into that, that last spot currently. And I think that Jimmy Johnson is almost at a win now situation or everyone else has to have a real collapse. Daniel Suarez, who had a good finish at Michigan or Ryan Newman had a decent finish. And you're looking at Clint Boyer, who seems to be just about almost clear. You have to have like almost a perfect, you have to have a perfect Bristol, a perfect Darlington, and a perfect Indianapolis to get yourself into the playoffs at this point. It's going to be tough at this. Yeah. I'm looking at it as if you have the rest of them collapse, then he does well, he moves himself into the playoffs. And or, which doesn't seem like a likely thing to happen, is he's got to get a win. That's the only other way in to me. You said it. In terms of the playoffs, so I guess that was my cue to give you guys an update about the playoffs. All right. You guys ready for an update? Let's do it. Okay, if the playoffs started today, Kyle Bush is in the number one spot with four wins. And I actually feel like I may have made a mistake when I read off the playoff picture last week because I noticed that it was ranked by position as opposed to playoff projection. So actually, let me double check something. I think, I don't know why NASCAR does it like this. Because if you go on NASCAR.com, because obviously I'm taking this directly from NASCAR.com, they have the point system 
they have the playoffs ranked by position, but then they also have it ranked by projected playoff position rank. And it's really weird because like you just mentioned earlier, Kenny, that Ryan Newman has the last spot. But according to NASCAR.com, by position, Clint Boyer has the last spot. He's in 16th. But then if you rank it by rank, Clint Boyer is in 15th. So saying that to say, I'm not quite sure how I should be reading this. So should I just read it by position or should I read it by rank? I always go by just the playoffs, like the playoff rank right now. That's what I've been basing it on. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you head over to NASCAR.com right now, you'll understand what I'm saying. NASCAR.com has it positioned. That's the way it appears. But you can also click rank and then rank it that way. Yeah, I think that's like for, like, if you're looking at the regular season, like Kyle Busch is going to more than likely win the regular season championship. So if you order them out like that without the playoffs, I think that's how they stack up, which I can see why it can confuse most people. Trust me. It confuses me often. Okay, so how should I read it? By position or rank? At this point in the season, I look at it from the playoff perspective. That's just me. I just look at it like that. Yeah. Yeah, so so I go by 1 through 16 just to see who's in and who's out. Well, that's what I'm saying. Technically. Okay. You know what? I'm going to read it by rank. The way it is by rank is Kyle Busch is in the number one position. He has, to date, four wins and nine stage wins. Martin Truex Jr. is ranked second with four wins and three stage wins. And I'm not going to read all the stage wins because do they really make a difference? Probably not. Obviously, they do make a difference because if you need points and you don't have a win, but most of these guys, at least at the top have already won a race. Let me just give it to you straight up. Joey Logano has two wins, but he also has seven stage wins. And I just wanted to read his name because like Kyle Busch, he has the most stage wins and he's ranked third. Denny Hamlin, fourth. Brad Keselowski, fifth. Kevin Harvick, sixth. Chase Elliott, seventh. Kurt Busch, eighth. Alex Bowman, ninth. And all those guys have a win and that's why they're in. And ninth, Well, actually, in 10th position, see, this is where it gets confusing because on one thing it says position 9, and then on the other side it says rank. So in the 10th, rank 10th, Ryan Blaney, he doesn't have a win, but he's in. Kyle Larson is ranked 11th. William Byron is 12th, but he is, oh, actually, he has a stage win. Okay. And then 13th is Eric Amarola. And 14th is Eric Jones. And Eric Jones, yep, okay, Eric Jones. And then Clint Boyer is 15th and Ryan Newman is 16th. So Daniel Suarez and Jimmy Johnson are on the outside looking in. Jimmy does have one stage win, so maybe if he can get right in the next two races, he can maybe do something. Daniel doesn't have any stage wins, but Daniel's done very well in terms of placing in the top 10 because Daniel actually has eight top 10 finishes and three top fives, the same as Jimmy Johnson. Wow. The only difference is Jimmy has a stage win. (laughs) So the only thing that separates him is a stage win. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Technically, Daniel doesn't have a stage win, but he is ranked higher than Jimmy, who has one. 
But I think that is because of what? Well, Daniel has led more laps than Jimmy, but well, maybe why the D- the, yeah, the it? DNFs probably don't help Jimmy either. Like, well, no, Daniel has two DNFs. Jimmy doesn't have any. I think probably what has helped Daniel is his consistency compared to Jimmy, who hasn't had like the best of consistency. So I'm sure there's been some yeah. races in between where Jimmy finished in the the lower twenties. I mean, the higher the higher twenties, like 25th through 30th, which doesn't really help. Because I think there were some races where he didn't DNF necessarily, but he finished bad. So, or off the lead lap. So that kind of well, makes hell. a difference, even though Daniel has two DNFs this season. So the, the, the smallest things in terms of consistency, even though we have a playoff format, still do matter, especially for these last like three spots is what I see it as. Let's face it. I feel like every week we're talking about Jimmy finishing 34. Yeah, it's tough on him. Yeah, it's tough. That can make a difference, especially if Daniel is finishing 12th, 13th, and Jimmy's finishing 34th. Big difference there. We're caught up to date with our Michigan top 10, our playoff pitcher heading into Bristol. We talked about Jimmy Johnson being out the playoffs. Oh, Bubba Wallace tattoo. Who wants to talk about that? My goodness. I don't know if I would have got a tattoo of another man on my thigh. (laughs) Well, it's technically, it's not on his thigh. It's on his hamstring, which is the back of his uh, thigh. Well, that's I mean, if even you are going to get a tattoo of another he should have got it on name, his calf. I, I, at least he put it in a good spot where you can't see it. I don't know, Kenny. And it's your first tattoo? <laughs> Renee, you got any tattoos? Well, I don't have any tattoos, but I've always heard that well, most people have said that, you know, when you get a tattoo, or especially your first tattoo, you want it to be meaningful, like something that, that's important to you that you you hold uh, sacred to yourself for whatever reason. I do want to get a tattoo, but I I can tell you this: it wouldn't be it wouldn't be something like that. That's for sure. <laughs> a tattoo of another man. I'm not a fan of tattoos that you're not <laughs> in, in, involved with. I don't know. I, yeah. And Kenny, you don't have any tattoos, right? Nah, I ain't about that life. <laughs> yeah. Tam, do you have any? No, he just said he's not about that life. No, no, no. I I, I said, do you have any? Oh, do I have any? I don't know. <laughs> not like that or anything. I don't knock people who have tattoos. I just personally, I don't, what, what am I We got a get? no, a no, and a hell no. <laughs> yeah. There's a girl I know who has her birthday on her chest, and it is big, and she models, and it becomes an issue because even though they try to cover it up, like I, we actually did a shoot with her, and we- it was covered, but by the end of the day, the makeup had ran off. And I was just thinking to myself, when you get old, woman, you are not going to want to be broadcasting when you were established. Dumbest tattoo ever. Yeah. Because I think she was born in 81 or something. It says established. It says EST, which is established in 1981. And I just kept saying to myself, boy. <laughs> Actually, no, it doesn't say 81. I think it says 91 because she's not that old. I mean, there's been a... But either way... Yeah. She gonna regret that when she get 50 and she trying to tell the young boys that she 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And see, I think that's the one thing that, that, that uh, kind of bothers me in my head, too, is like, if if I do get something, am, am I gonna regret it years from now? And I'm gonna go, why did I do that? You know? <laughs> You'll get, like, your parents' name or something, or your kid's name. Yeah. I don't know. I almost got a tramp stamp. Thank God that the tattoo place was always busy every time I went. <laughs> I'd have killed myself 
Uh, if I would have killed myself if I would have got that and kept it. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Bubba's tattoo. What? Why did he get it? He lost a bet. I forgot. I remember reading the story. Yeah, you know, I was trying to figure that out. I was like, why did he get the tattoo in the first place? And I couldn't find any other. I searched and tried to see the same thing, Tam. I was trying to from Twitter bet or what happened. Yeah, so he posted something on Twitter. If I get, I think he said, if I get forty three thousand likes on this post, or it was even likes or retweets, it was one or the other. If I get this amount, then I'll do it. At first, it didn't come in twenty four hours, even though he didn't state that. And then everyone was like, "Nah, you got to do it. You got to do it because you hit the number." Because he did hit the number about a day later. And so he finally decided to get the tattoo. He flew out. I think that was uh, Ryan Blaney's guy who who's done his tattoos. And I saw the video, and I vaguely remember a couple of what was it last week, week before last, something them talking about it. But I have a life. I don't keep up with every tweet that's posted on Twitter. Right. What else is going on in NASCAR? I do know I want to talk about racing wise. Oh man! But before I jump into racing wise, wait, you said you're not. Um, I'm not a big fan of reality TV as it is, and just judging by what I read on Twitter, people pretty much took that as a joke is what I saw. That That's kind of what I saw from it. I haven't watched it yet, oh but I will at least give the first episode a watch at some point. So next episode, you'll hear my take on it. Well, watch the second okay, episode. Okay, cool. I'll watch the second one then. <laughs> Before I jump in, because I think I'm going to make this like a weekly segment. That's if I can stomach much more of it. But <laughs> before I jump into racing wise, what any did I miss anything that happened? Anything that I missed in NASCAR? Anything you guys want to add? Real quick, I want to uh, take a, a quick moment to talk about Dell Junior thing that came up recently. Uh, Kenny, I don't I don't know if you you had uh, saw this either, but um, NASCAR has been talking about the attendance uh, woes uh, uh, again uh, as of late. And I think it's no secret, you guys, and, and even to our listeners that listen to the podcast, and obviously that either go to the races or that watch races on TV, attendance has been a problem. The one thing that came up with Dale Jr.'s name was the the popularity of drivers and whatnot, and how can NASCAR get back to its attendance height where they have enough people going to the races, enough fans filling the seats. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he knows that he's probably still the most popular driver of that sport, even though he's not racing anymore. I would agree with that that statement. I, I, Kenny, would you agree with that? Because I, I think he is, I, and he's not even driving anymore. Yeah, I think he's probably the most polarizing name like still out there that people can recognize and even the casual fan can note. But just going back on what he said, about the growth of the sport. I did get a chance to see that tweet, but in terms of that, he's 100% spot on. I mean, what NASCAR built, if we're talking prime, like let's just say about 2005 when it really started to peak, that wasn't just out of nowhere. You don't make things like that happen out of nowhere. That's just a buildup as you go from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s transition to the early 2000s. Right. It doesn't just happen in one night. I totally agree with him in one take on that. It's just that you have to rebuild. And then I think it also takes realization that where you are at isn't necessarily 2005 or pre-2000. It's not there, obviously. But you have to realize where you're at and just move from there. You can't just fake and pretend that you are 
another league or you're here, you just need to be willing to accept where you are and grow from that. You can't, you can't step out of it if you still think that you are 2005 level when in 2019, we're in a totally different realm of the sport. And it's not an, in a negative light. That's just what it is. That's just a real spill. Yeah. So I don't disagree with Dale at all. He's got a valid point. I think that's probably the best way he could say that without saying anything, I guess you could say, quote unquote, negative or nasty. That's the best way you could say it. Yeah, it seemed like he was trying to walk that line by not trying to be so negative or or uh, disrespect uh, NASCAR in 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 any kind of way. But uh, yeah, it's just um, I think it's going to take some time to get back up to what what it was, and uh, and and then even going back to having a popular driver. I don't know, Chase Elliott be the guy, Alex Bowman. I don't know. There's so many young guys coming in. It's going to take time for somebody to actually step out into that forefront and and take the baton and and move forward. Yeah. And you got to think about relatability. So a Chase Elliott, a Ryan Blaney, a Ryan Priest, or even a Bubba Wallace will probably relate more to me based upon their age and how they are versus the current Mm -hmm. average fan who might be in the 40s into the late 50s who might understand a Kyle Busch, a Kevin Harvick more so than they will those young guys. So you have them. They're, they are what they are, and it's not taking anything away from them. They have their own backing as fans, and they have a lot of younger fans. If you go look at most of those drivers now, they have a younger following than a Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch. So you got to understand, as we continue to make this transition with a lot of these younger guys, it's going to be a little bit of a, a dip off, and it's going to be some change with with all of this right now. Like Alex Bowman and the rest of them, they're young. So you have to attract the young, the younger followers of the sport to those drivers versus you just leaning on a Brad Keselowski, a Kevin Harvick, a Kyle Busch, just for examples. You got to think about it. The young guys have to be relatable to the young people so the young people can have someone to relate to because that's just what the sport was built on. You think about the Kale Yarbrough's, the Buddy Bakers, the Richard Petty's, the David Pearson's, those guys, if you look at their names, they were blue collar as can be. And during the time where they grew up and they grew, grew the sport at its time, they were relatable to your average fan. Your average fan was working their ass off to make their money. They were working their ass off to make their money every week. That's why they raced over 50 times a week because they yeah, were really trying to make right ends meet. You got multimillionaires out here. There's a big ass disparity between that and someone that's a youth, someone that's a blue collar worker in America today. So you got to think of it from a deeper perspective than just that, oh, why they aren't coming? It's going to take time to rebuild such a empire that was once NASCAR. I don't know if it can be rebuilt. I don't think to its peak. Revamped. Only because, and hear me out, there's no personality. Boy, the day Clint Boyer leaves, we're done for because there's no personality. Bubba has a great personality, but he's on the borderline of becoming most hated. He's walking a fine line. Like people love Bubba, but he's quickly teeter tottering. He can fall on either side any day because he has attitude going on with other things. I don't know if that sounded right, but you guys know where I was going because we talked about it on the last podcast. Because yeah. I'm not saying he has an attitude problem. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that. 
he has a lot going on and he has a lot of little run-ins here and there, little things that come up. Kind of like not saying that he's the Antonio Brown of NASCAR, but technically he is because nobody else has all the little isolated things going on. Is that a correct analogy? Mm. No? You guys can tell me nah, if I'm wrong. No, I get it because, you know, he's been going with the hell and back over a goddamn helmet lately. Yeah, I'm not saying it's <laughs> his fault, but I'm just saying. I guess, well, that's not a correct analogy because in Antonio's instance, most of it is his fault. But yeah, and if you guys are listening to the podcast for the first time, sometimes it's hashtag Tim's rent. Sometimes it's hashtag where's Renee. We don't have a hashtag for Kenny. (laughs) We'll make one up. We got to think of one. (laughs) Give me to the next episode. I'll think about one. Getting back on track. My take on everything that you guys just said is that NASCAR is in a not so great space because there's no personality. We spent a whole, our whole first season was about personality. If you didn't listen to some of our early stuff, go back and just search for the word personality. We talked a lot about personality. In fact, I think we did an episode where we ranked some of our personality or some of the NASCAR personalities. But yeah, there's not a lot of personality going on in NASCAR. So there's no one to attach onto and root for. And that's just my own take. Somebody may disagree. But if I was coming in the sport today, who would I latch on to? Who would be my favorite driver? Can't say anybody. Because although you have some great young drivers like a Kyle Larson that, well, I guess because what is Kyle Larson third year now? Fourth year? Yeah, fourth, I think. Yeah, so you have these good young drivers, but what's Kyle Larson's story that I'm going to tune in every week? He's half Japanese, half American. Okay, so aside from that, he's a great, he's a racer. He's a real racer. But unfortunately, if you're new to the sport, it needs to be a little bit more than just racing. That's just my take. Like when I got into NASCAR, I was in awe with, the cars going around the track, but I also quickly was like, ooh, NASCAR is a soap opera. There's this guy, Tony Stewart, that all the women love who will throw his helmet at your car when it's moving. There were things and dynamics going on. Like I was like, oh yeah, Dell Jr. was in the video with Jay-Z talking about money ain't a thing. And granted, I'm just making a, a joke because I, I knew more about <laughs> Dell Jr. than the Jay-Z video. But I'm just saying that to say, There were storylines. There are no storylines now. Nobody cares. NASCAR loves the kids, but shoot, now what is Keelan? Six, seven years old. So two, three years ago when Keelan was playing in the water, it was cute. And Owen is cute. And Cash is cute. But those stories are dried up because we haven't even seen Owen or Cash at the track, what, in a few months now. They may have been there, but there hasn't been any storylines. Yeah, not a ton of camera attention on them. Saying that to say, there are no storylines, there are no personalities, period, in the discussion. Like, I know, Kenny, you ju- you just wrote something about Larson for MRN, right? Yeah, I did. And um, Larson has quietly been doing well this season, um, at least this latter half of the season. He's actually found his stride, like, recently. Since Chicagoland, when he came second to Alex Bowman, he's been doing pretty well. Actually, he's found his he's found his way to finishing the top top five four times as recent as Chicagoland. 
and this weekend was just what he needed because I think he's just about cleared himself into the playoffs. And I don't think if he if he does bad from Bristol, Darlington, and Indy, he should be cleared clear as good as he can get right now. So I think that's good for him because this has been a struggle year. And I think also winning the all-star race, even though it doesn't count towards points, kind of helped him boost his confidence because it seemed like he was just on the struggle bus. He has five DNFs this season. It's been rough on him. And it's been quite shocking not to see him win races so far this season. You know, given he won four in 2017 where people thought he was going to take it to the next level. And in, and in, to add to that, in that season, he had 15 top fives and 20 top tens just off the bat and three poles. He was on fire that year, and that was in 2017. It just hasn't been the same. It's been two years since he's won a points race, believe it or not. So at this point, I think Larson is getting the correct momentum as he moves along into the playoffs. I don't know if he's going to be good for a deep run this year, but if you're looking at somebody who may slide their way into the second set of uh, playoffs, he might do it. I think he might just do it. But Kenny, here's my thing, just kind of revisiting what I was saying about the personality. So, okay, yeah, he's doing better on the track, but personality, just say he wins the championship. Could you imagine him doing a press tour? I couldn't really imagine him. Like, would you want him representing NASCAR on the bigger stage? And I mean, that's not really a fair question to ask because, you know, if he won, right. he won, and that means he's a great driver. But I'm just saying that I don't necessarily see Kyle Larson doing a press tour going to, you know, I don't think it's Regis anymore and Kathy, but what is it, Kathy? I don't even know and, who replaced, replaced um, him. I have no idea. No, what's his name replaced him? Is it Michael um, Strahan? No, Michael been gone. Michael went to another show, but all those shows, I don't know. I don't watch the morning <laughs> programs, but just say, for instance, going on Wendy Williams. I don't know if that was a good example, <laughs> but I don't even know if she would have me. She probably wouldn't even want him on because there's no tea. I, but, and for those who don't know, tea means anything juicy, but that's just my point. Let's just say, okay, imagine him going on Skip and Shannon in the morning or Stephen A. Smith yeah. show. What what did they talk to him about? I couldn't imagine him being on that necessarily, but but however, if he wins it, he wins it. You know what I mean? Just like what you just said. And I think also, just based on at least my historical background with this sport. So yeah, we always have had, typically, you had your fiery guys, you had your pumped up guys, you had the quiet guys, you had the guys that would occasionally get mad. So we got a, a, a bevy of those and they're here and they're there and i think that we don't necessarily have all of that fire and i also think something that doesn't help is the way we commercialize everything like the way the commercials are for michigan you see a bunch of close finishes you see a bunch of crashes and i think that's also a harm to people that want to enter the sport and i if i explain that to somebody who doesn't know anything about it and they see that commercial this happens every week I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that doesn't happen every single week. The crazy moment where someone jumps over a car like Kevin Harvick trying to fight Ricky Rudd in 2002 over whatever happened to them too then, like that, is, that stuff doesn't always happen. It never did always happen. It's just, 
But that's probably why people aren't but, but enjoying the races. And I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, even but, but here goes the thing with that. I struggle with the same sentiment with a lot of older NBA fans as well. The same old thing. It's like, oh man, you know, people aren't doing this. They aren't elbowing people. They aren't throwing somebody to the ground when they go up for a layup. I have watched hundreds of games. That stuff never happened all the time. It's typically over-exaggerated, and that just segues right into the commercials where things are just a tad... Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to have to cut you off, young boy. You're no, 24. I've watched Let me plenty of basketball. Hold up, hold up. I and promise you, I've watched this. plenty of basketball. You In your 24 years, you've watched hundreds of games. I've been to two, three, four hundred games in person, and I grew up a Laker fan back in the Showtime days. And let me just tell you something. And Renee, because he's in his 40s, he can co-sign on this. Old NBA basketball and what it is today is like football. You can't touch the quarterback. You can't do nothing. Back in the old, oh, the Pistons, the Lakers and the Celtics, man, you didn't have to throw a fist and somebody was drawing blood. It used to be really physical basketball way back then. And it's not. Like I'm not that saying anymore. it's not physical, though. It, I'm not saying that like there wasn't. Fi- no, no, it I'm, isn't physical. No, I'm at not all. saying that it wasn't physical then. But I think it's it's incredibly over exaggerated. I've watched plenty. No, no, it's I've not over Sat there and watched Renee, hours. Okay, let, let's just hours this. of Renee, films what's your of, from the '80s and from the <laughs> '70s, and when people go crazy about it, I'm like, every game was not like that. You mean the? Every, Every game, game was, was not physical, like that. Renee. I sat there and watched them. Okay. They're not all like Renee, that. Renee, let's hold up. Let's just ask Renee since we have different opinions. Renee, as a mature man who loves all sports, what was NBA basketball like in the 80s, in the 90s? From my experience and my point of view um, is I definitely... I definitely uh, would agree with Tam saying that basketball was very different back then as it is today. I think that sports has just evolved just over time into trying to protect its players, its drivers or whatnot. And that's un- totally understandable. But back in the 80s, when it's getting back to, to the, the question at hand, Kenny, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Tam on this one and, and, and maybe, maybe not so much with regular season, but definitely in the playoffs. Sure, no, 100%. Way different I agree. Way I agree different, 100%. But, but even in the regular season, those guys, they still played each other hard. Go back and look at some old film that Charles Barkley, when he was first in the league, those first three three to five seasons he was in the league, I wouldn't go up for a layup with Barkley going in there. Screw that. No, nah, sure. I don't disagree with the physicality was different because I love hoops. Like, I do. But I just hate when it's just to the point where it's like all 82 games was a, f- a fist thrown. Hell no. That didn't happen. No, not no. I don't say that. I respect the game, of course. Don't get it twisted. And Oh, uh, you know what? Hold up, Kenny. I just realized you probably was watching the Washington. No, Wizards no. Hell, hell no. No. <laughs> I watch so I oh watch a God. ton of basketball. Not growing up on the Wizards. I've watched the old old Celtics, Lakers games, Detroit Pistons, and Chicago Bulls. I've watched the old basketball games because I love the game overall. But what I'm saying is just segueing back into the whole NASCAR thing is just that we sell it so hard that it's going to be like this every damn weekend when you don't get that expectation or you don't get that actual thing on on track. It's like, well, what the hell are we advertising? You know what I mean? That's just my thing. 
like don't get so caught up in history to the point where it's just like, oh man, nothing can be this, nothing can be that. And just like what Renee said, the game has evolved. Same thing with basketball. Obviously, I know this and you both know this as well. The physicality isn't there for a lot of reasons, but that's just what it is. That's what the league is. I ain't saying it's not entertaining. I'm not saying yeah. the 70s and 80s weren't entertaining because I enjoyed that. Watch plenty of it. Enjoy today's game. Enjoy the 90s. It's just that I think there's just too much of that and it gets people's expectations way too high when they're not going right. to exactly get that every weekend. It's just like we're not going to get yeah. door to door at the line. We're not going to get someone spinning someone out at the line every single weekend. That's just the reality of it. We're not going to get a fight every weekend. That's just what it is. If we got it every single weekend like that, every single time, eventually people would get tired of it at some point. You no, get, they wouldn't. I'm they telling would love you, it and just it like go the back underdog winner. Days. I, okay, you let get me tired just, of them. Let me just interrupt Kenny and say this. I'm a diehard. Now, you can blame it on me going out on Saturday, but I was napping during Michigan. So that's two weeks in a row that I've napped. <laughs> and then I think three weeks, uh, three weeks ago, I didn't even bother to watch the race. Which is unlike me, because if it's, what is it, 36 races in a season, it's rare if I miss a race. Yeah. And even if I'm out, I'm somehow jonesing trying to get it on my phone or on Twitter. Yeah. I, but I specifically remember like three weeks ago, I was like, um, it may have been four weeks ago. I forgot where we were, but I was like, oh, I'm going out, hanging out with I don't know. It's <laughs> Last week, I was napping. Two weeks ago. I mean, it's I tough. Napping. I don't know what the expectation is, though. That's just the thing. It, it varies so much. Well, my expectations is, well, okay, so I'm probably one of those fans that they, well, I wasn't lured in by the commercials selling me on something. But when I first started watching NASCAR, it was every week was exciting. Mm. It wasn't necessarily fights or any. Well, I mean, it was a lot of fights, but every week was exciting. The only week that wasn't and i know anybody listening to this podcast wants to reach through the speaker and slap me but the only thing that was never exciting to me was road courses we know what tam feels about how i feel about road courses that's probably why i never make it to sonoma every (laughs) year but and that's technically our home track but yeah no i don't have the same feelings as i used to no that's fine now a lot of my thing is is that personalities have left the sport and i've tried to find other drivers to root for but it's just to me it's more than just on the track like i want a great driver i want a great ambassador for the sport i want somebody that shines when they interview and don't give me this cookie cutter answer don't really want to talk unless I don't want that. I want like that's why I like Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch will never be my favorite driver, but I think when Kurt, excuse me, not Kurt, but when Kyle Busch retires, I may retire from the sport because who's left when Kyle Busch is gone? Just answer me that. Who's a winner? I mean, I personally don't watch it like that and or any sport like that to the point where like if like let's just say. Like Kobe, like Kobe is one of my favorite players. He retired, right? It ain't gonna stop me from you know watching or anything like that. But I get your point in terms of like the no, it shouldn't no. stop you. But see, here's my point: it should be about the on track. Well, but I think personally with NASCAR, it is more than that because the sport was built on the Richard Petties, 
Yes. You know what I'm saying? The the kill your boys. Like that it was built on the racing on the track and the personalities. So for me, let's just keep it 100. We have not talked about the package. I don't want to talk about the package. Well, we would kind of have to. You know, the on the on track product, no personalities, the same old storylines every week. You got to no, I get where you're this? going with it. You got to get... Okay, so in terms of the package, right? That was damn sure part of what made everything great and what gave gave us so many great moments was what we used to have, right? Like um, like a Kurt Busch and a Jimmy Spencer fighting in 2002 or a Kevin Harvick and Ricky Rudd, once again, I believe in 2002, fighting after Richmond. You You have that. You combine a... You give Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick a package of the Gen 4. You might just have those two probably going at it every weekend because they're probably two of the best damn drivers on this planet, right? Or at least stock car drivers, right? You give them something that they want, which also drivers have been very vocal all season, that they're not really in favor of it. As some people would call it, this isn't my words necessarily, people would call it glorified slot car racing. If you don't know what a slot car is, Kids, you put two cars down on a track and they stick to the same line that planted to the ground. That is kind of where we're stuck at right now. Everything is planted. Every damn car on that track is planted in the Cup Series. They're all stuck to the ground. Big spoilers got nothing but downforce. You can't do anything with that. It's hard. That's why last weekend when we had Chase Elliott and Martin Truex, they Truex couldn't pass him. It was impossible, and I'm going to tell every single one of y'all right now that's a big NASCAR fan, it wasn't going to happen in your dreams. If this was 2018, it would have had a chance to happen. But we have reversed that, and that's what made road course racing great as well. It's all the horsepower, the lack of downforce, and it was a driver's thing. It still is to its own way, but still, so much downforce, even though you got all the horsepower, it doesn't help them out. You got to give more control to them. To let us get that type of product. You want to see what you see on a Saturday night at a short track, for example? You got to give them the same amount of power. The guys down the road from me right now have more horsepower and more control over those cars than our guys in Cup do. Xfinity has more, if I'm being honest. Xfinity is the hardest damn car right now to probably drive in, in all, in all the top three series because it doesn't have downforce and has plenty of horsepower. That's how you give them that. You got to at least give them that and then roll from there. But if you don't give them that and they're not happy, that doesn't help. Like, dude, you want to go to a job every morning that you don't like, right? And hate it. You ain't going to feel no way. You ain't going to want to do no work. It's kind of seeming like it's the same exact way for the drivers that we have now. They don't seem too happy with what we got. They want to change, especially like what you said, Kyle Bush, who's been very, very vocal about it. And it's kind of teetered down, but still. That's what they want. And that's frankly what I think they need to help just to some extent, just to help them. Well, Kenny, you said one word stuck. And I'm going to leave that (laughs) word in the minds of our listeners because we've been talking a lot this podcast. So we got to move it on because I know you guys are ready to hear about my thoughts on racing wise. (laughs) So if you don't know, racing wise (laughs) is a show. This week will be the third episode the show features none other than samantha bush 
wife of Kyle Bush, and Ashley Bush, wife of Kurt Bush, and Mario, now her last name is Swan, but her maiden name is Lane, Mario Lane. She married one of Austin Dillon's pit cruise guys recently. Although when they taped the show, she hadn't gotten married yet. And it also features Miss Whitwit, Miss Whitney Dillon, as in Austin Dillon's wife. Show comes on after the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader show. So that's a good lead-in show for Racing Wives. I'm not quite sure of what the how many people watched it. But I'm sure people are watching the Dallas Cowboys show. So hopefully people are staying over to watch Racing Wives. My quick observations after watching the first two episodes. I don't want to be candid because as somebody said, Samantha Bush has a lot of power in this sport. So you don't want to get on her bad side. So I'm just going to let the Twitter trolls do the talking for me. And I'm just going to read a couple of comments. You guys ready? Because these people did not hold back. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Kim Stoltz, S-T-U-L-T-S. That's an interesting way of spelling whatever that's supposed to be. But she says, am I watching Mean Girls movie or racing wise? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Ashley and Samantha are rich, stuck up mean girls while Mario and Whitney are cool country down to earth girls. Hashtag racing wise. Hashtag cool girls are prettier. Boom. That is probably the best comment, but I'm going to read a few other comments. Kim also said, wow, Samantha Bush is such a B-I-T-C-H and her husband is the biggest cryberry. Cryberry. <laughs> her husband is the biggest crybaby of NASCAR. Hashtag racing wise. Hashtag he's no Earnhardt. Hashtag poor Amber. Okay, now Amber, if you guys don't know, Amber is also on the show, and I'm sorry I failed to mention her, but she's not a wife, but she's actually a driver that Samantha Bush is, that she's trying to sell to KBM, but we all know that's not going to happen. But yeah, so those were just some comments. Here's another one. Anybody watch the show called Racing Wives? Some pretty snooty women on there for sure. Only two real women that aren't stuck up. Amber and an up-and-coming driver and Mario, a brand model. Now, this actually is from Victoria Lane, who I believe to be Mario's mom. She tweets and said, Racing Wives, love it. Mario and Whitney, modern Lucy and Ethel. You're a little too young to remember I love Lucy, but that's what she's referring to, Kenny. And... Let's see. Now, this one, I'm going to read the tweet and then explain what the tweet was about. This person writes, words are hard, hashtag racing wives. There was some issue and, and it was in response to somebody else's tweet where they said, so now Whitney can't pronounce lubricant, hashtag racing wives. I don't know if Whitney was playing the blonde girl role or is she really the blonde girl, but she couldn't pronounce lubricant. And she kept saying, is it lubricant or lubricant? A lubricant. And I was like, is she real right now? And they're Tennessee girls. And the backstory, for those that don't know, Mario and Whitney met when they were Tennessee Titan cheerleaders. They became besties. They do everything together. They live together. When Whitney met 
Austin. They fell in love. Then they got married. And Mariel fell in love with Austin's best friend, who's also his pit guy. They fell in love, got married, and they live 100 yards apart from each other. What wasn't clear is if they live on Austin Dillon's estate, because it looks like the houses, maybe their house is a smaller house on his estate. I'm not 100% sure. Sounds like a Hollywood fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. But getting down to the meat of it in two minutes, Samantha was not very nice to Mariel or to Amber, for that matter. It's clear that Ashley, which is Kurt Bush, and Samantha Bush do not like Mariel. I'm not saying that they seem to want to separate Mariel from Whitney, but Whitney is in a tough situation because now she is a NASCAR wife and no longer a brand model. And I'm using the air quotes. And the wives turn their nose up at brand models because now they've married and they've become rich. And it's like, oh, you're a brand model, as in you're a groupie, basically. Nobody said that, but that's kind of the equivalent attitude that they're giving the turn down to the brand model. Now, it's some interesting dynamics because Mariel, and I'm not saying this plays a role, but it's worth mentioning, Mariel is the only African-American on the show who happens to be the brand model. And Whitney is trying to... I don't feel like Whitney's trying to do anything. She's just stuck in the middle because deep down in her heart, she's just a country girl. She's a pretty girl, but she's a country girl. And she talks like this because she's from Tennessee, you know? So, and then Mariel's from Tennessee and they just fun. They're young. They're millennials. And then Samantha, who probably is a millennial along with Ashley, they're just very, I don't want to say sophisticated because I think that's overreaching to use that <laughs> word, but I don't know. Well, maybe I think they're just older and different. They just see see different. You know what I mean? I don't think so. It's I don't want to kind of the way kind of the way Kenny sees basketball differently than me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, because Samantha Bush is so powerful in NASCAR, those were Mariel's words, not mine. I don't want to say what I really want to say, but I will just sum it up with this. When I first met Samantha Bush, probably about eight years ago, I'll never forget, she handed me a comp card and asked me if I wanted her autograph. And I just looked at her with a blank stare and it took me a second to process it. And I was like, no, thank you. Like, as if, first of all, I'm a superstar. Why would I want your autograph? You married to a damn racer. You ain't the superstar. Those was my feelings. That was the real Tam just came out. I may have to edit that out because like Mariel says, Samantha Bush is kind of powerful in NASCAR, yeah. but no, none of the powers to be listened to this podcast. So whatever. Yeah. But that's what's wrong with NASCAR in a nutshell. Nobody's saying how they really feel. And that's how I really feel. They were mean to those girls yeah. on that show. And it's not a good representation of NASCAR. And then you have to ask yourself, where the hell is the other wives? You want to know where they at? Because I feel like, because they didn't want to be on the show with some other people. Well, I don't know. Like, y your husband's worth millions of dollars. What is the point of being on a reality show anyway? I can go on and on. But that's my update. I'll check back with you guys next week and tell you what's happening next week. But just to sum it up, what you need to know from the first two episodes, Ashley doesn't seem to have much of a personality, clearly. Samantha and Ashley want to befriend Whitney, but they aren't really stutting Mariel because she's a brand model. She doesn't fit 
the NASCAR wives because they're everybody's so on edge. Oh, they got mad at Mariel and the driver girl Amber because they took a shot at an event. <laughs> and Kyle Bush was there and he was like, Oh, that's the girl you want to sign to KBM? You sure? So it was like a big to do. And Samantha was like, Oh my God, you can't ruin our pretty image. Okay. Wow. Enough about that. Predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Here we go. Where are we? We're <laughs> Bristol. So here we go. We are at Bristol this weekend. All right. Here we go. We're going to end these uh, last few races with, I think, some interesting uh, winners. I got the feeling that it's crunch time. Everybody's going to be uh, trying to uh, get a win. And uh, Harvick, uh, even though he just won uh, on Sunday, I got a feeling Harvick could possibly win this race this weekend again. But I'm going to actually keep Harvick as my alternative pick. And my winner, believe it or not, I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. And I know I went with Brad Keselowski last week too, but I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski again this week. I just think uh, Keselowski uh, is uh, way overdue for another win. He was racing really well on Sunday and then just things happen and, you know, flat tires. And, and what by, by the way, let me say something about Keselowski this past Sunday. What a save of that car he did. That was just downright awesome just racing and and saving his car from a major disaster because he really he could have went into the wall, Kenny. Damn, I, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, that flat tire and uh, he did a wonderful save on that car. But I'm going to pick Kislowski as my winner, and I'm going to go with Harvick as my uh, alternative pick. Those are my picks. I'm going to stick with them. Okay, Kenny, who you got? All right, rolling to Bristol, the last great Coliseum. So my first pick, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, who actually has swept this weekend. He swept that weekend last in 2017. So I think he's not one of the um, picks that most people won't go with this weekend. So I'm also going to go with Kyle Busch as my main pick. And for my alternative, I am actually going to go with somebody pretty different. But still on the Joe Gibbs side, I'm going to go with Eric Jones, who has performed well here. I feel like he's gotten close enough to get himself a win, and perhaps maybe he can notch his second career cup win this coming Saturday at the last great Coliseum. So those are my picks. What about you, Tim? I'm not going to give you guys a history lesson today because I feel like I have talked enough. That damn Racing Wise (laughs) recap wore me completely out. I got a headache just thinking about it. Even though I don't get headaches, it just took me out of my element. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to give you guys a history lesson this week, but I will tell you the Bush brothers are a beast at the last great Coliseum. Kurt Bush has won six races at Bristol and Kyle Bush has won eight. The last four races at Bristol were all won by a Bush brother with Kyle winning three of the last four and Kurt winning last year. So last year, Kurt won Well, actually, yeah. So last year, Kurt won the August race and Kyle won the April race. So with that being said, I'm just going to keep it easy and go with a bush and a bush. I'm not sure what order, but either a bush or a bush will win. (laughs) And a bush or bush will be an alternative. And that was a tongue twister. (laughs) So good night, folks. (laughs) That was pretty interesting there, Tam. But hey, look, those are our picks. What say you guys, you listeners, to listen to our podcast here on Alterns No Breaks? If you have uh, 
your picks, uh, send them in. You can hit us up across the board. At Turns No Breaks, uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram as well. And please go check our podcast out and uh, let your friends know who love NASCAR just as much as we do, just as much as you do. Turn them on to our podcast, All Turns No Breaks. For Front Row Kenny, happy birthday once again, my brother. For Miss Tam and myself, we will see you again next week here on another episode of All Turns No Break. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 